another edition of the OK Guard Show, COVID-19 edition. Let me just say that I used to work at an orange juice factory, but I got canned. Couldn't concentrate. I also used to have a healthy fear of hurdles, but I got over that. So today, as part of National Mental Health Awareness Month, we will be speaking with repeat guest Mr. John Dixon about some of the mental health recommendations and things to look out for in ourselves and others that come along with reopening Oklahoma after the 31-day Safer at Home order. Our next guest uh, has been on the show before, Mr. John Dixon. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do for the Oklahoma National Guard. Well, as you said, my name is John Dixon. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Oklahoma, and my job with the Guard is as a behavioral health specialist. A real brief description of what they do is we are full-time contractors who assist guardsmen and their families in regards to their psychological well-being. So are you geared specifically for military members and their family, or is this a service that uh, retirees, veterans, uh, the civilian world can take advantage of as well? This position is set up uh, directly to be to the benefit of the Army National Guardsmen um, and their families, their dependents. However, basically our rule of thumb is if somebody from the community or a veteran or somebody from a different branch wanted some assistance, as long as there's not somebody in my office who's with the Army National Guard, I will help them. And if there is somebody who I'm working with who meets the criteria, I'll say, as soon as I'm done with them, then I can help you. So <laughs> I will assist anybody, but we are directly what our priority is on Army Guard and their families. Great service that you provide to our, our military family, military community. And it sounds like the community at large. So absolutely. Um, uh, last time we had you on, we were talking a little bit about thought creep and while we're social distancing how those thoughts can creep into our head governor kevin stitt has issued a safer at home order on march 24th uh, 31 days later the governor has begun a three-phase reopening of the state so what does that mean for us does that mean that i can stop washing my hands <laughs> emphatically no <laughs> it's my answer oh. to that okay. um I hope we have all learned a new habit and routine when it comes to hand hygiene yes. um, and that we're doing a better job of carrying out skills that we probably first were taught back in kindergarten and maybe make that a lifelong habit. Uh, but this is going to be a, a different phase we're going into. Um, things have changed. Yeah, definitely habits that should be lifelong habits that we learn at a very young age, but sometime between that kindergarten and wherever you are in the adulting world. Uh, <laughs> sometimes those things kind of slip out of our brains. We have survived. We made it to the end of COVID-19. Uh, but I keep hearing on the news that we're not. There's, you know, uh, you hear that there's maybe a mutation of the virus. You hear that uh, cases are going to go up. You hear cases are going to go down. You hear everything and in, in anything in between. What should I believe? Who should I believe? And, and what should I do to try and keep all of this from making my head explode? Sure. Well, let me qualify it by first saying I am not a medical doctor nor an epidemiologist. Uh, so I can only go by what I've heard. The 
professionals and expertise in that area have said. And we might be a long way away from the end of COVID-19. And by end, I mean that there is an effective cure, a treatment, and or a vaccination available. And that might be a year, that might be two years down the road. And you mentioned that whole idea of things mutating. We don't, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. However, our leaders have decided that we can transition out of the safer at home phase that we have been in for about a month and slowly begin to regain some of the activities we had before all this started. You should definitely familiarize yourself with that specific plan put out by the governor or local officials that uh, might be over your area and follow those directions and pay attention to what phase we're in. Because if you're looking at that plan, you'll notice that uh, the things that we do in phase one are quite a bit different from what we can do in phase three. I've, I've been out to the grocery store. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag before the, the safer at home order was lifted. There were some people that just were acting like there was nothing going on. There were other people that, were fully gowned, gloves, mask, hat, face shield, the whole bit. Uh, it's really kind of a mixed bag of how people are reacting to social distancing, to the virus themselves. What can we do to keep ourselves safe? And because when you see somebody out in public that maybe is doing something that's counter to what you believe, mm -hmm. because... For some reason, we as a society cannot collectively wrap our heads around how we should approach this situation. So there's going to be a lot of conflicting views and conflicting uh, courses of action that we can take to help ourselves stay safe and healthy and, and keep everybody else around us safe and healthy. So what are some things I can do to keep me from blowing my top when I'm out in public <laughs> And the person that's standing next to me in line maybe isn't approaching the social distancing or any type of protective requirements that I think should be in place. Yeah, this is a, a very real thing that's going on. Uh, I've had many conversations with people in my immediate circle in the, in, over this last week, and this has come up with almost everybody. Uh, somebody complaining that People are doing too much and people complaining that people aren't doing enough. Um, I think the best thing to do is to recognize our own personal responsibility and not to focus on the behavior of others. And this is about this situation, but pretty much everything in your life that way too. Um, failing okay. to do that, uh, focusing on what other people are doing rather than what you're doing is sure to lead to lots of frustration and probably blowing your top on a regular basis. We are subject to the law of our land and should follow the state, county, or city regulations that are currently in place. So that, that's the first bit of guidance is do what the law says. In addition, you might have specific rules to follow at work or if you choose to do business at certain establishments. If that's a rule to shop there, to eat there, or whatever, you gotta go by that rule. If you don't like it, then you need to shop somewhere else or go somewhere else. Outside of those restrictions, it's up to each of us to keep ourselves safe and hopefully attempt to protect our fellow citizens. 
as frustrating as it can be, ultimately, I would prefer to limit non-essential activities at this point and wear an uncomfortable face mask until we have some more answers. Because I think we are going and we, we continue to learn a lot and we are going to learn a lot more. And until we have all that data in, it's probably best to uh, err on the side of safety. I think that's a good idea. And trusting those people that have either gone to school or spent a very long time in a career that enables them to make very well-informed decisions about how to approach the situation. Uh, the CDC guidelines that are there do recommend that you wear a mask when you go out in public. Uh, I've noticed, like we talked about before, some people completely head to toe covered, like COVID-19 <laughs> is some flesh-eating bacteria that will kill them on contact if they come in, in, in contact with it. Is it okay to be paranoid about going out and be going out into public? Like, is, it, is there such thing as a healthy level of paranoia? I'm guessing all of us, the first time we did something that we had been avoiding for a while, have that anxiety there. Paranoia is kind of an interesting word. It means intense anxiety about persecution, a threat, or a conspiracy. Um, moving past persecution or a conspiracy, there is a threat there. Uh, we've been told over and over on the news that you don't want to get sick with this because some people who get sick with it it cost them their lives. So I would say that paranoia is pretty much always unhealthy. However, recognizing a threat and trying to limit the danger isn't being paranoid. Um, do you have to be paranoid to wear a seatbelt or to avoid golfing in a lightning storm? No, right? If you recognize a threat uh, and there's a simple way, <laughs> there's a simple way to avoid it, um, choosing to limit your interactions with people, especially in large groups, and that makes you feel less anxious, I would call that being cautiously healthy and not paranoid. So so you you brought up kind of gathering up in groups and, you know, as an introvert, this whole social distancing and teleworking thing is, is like a dream to me. I'm loving it. But um, my family kind of sees things a little differently. When it comes to the social distancing restrictions, uh, they want to have family gatherings every other day and get together. I have kind of a large family, so there's you know 15 of us when we all get together. Um, right. So what are some ways that we can compromise and still feel like we're maintaining the social interaction that we crave as human beings while we're still following those CDC guidelines and preventing the spread of the coronavirus? One of my favorite phrases is moderation in everything. It works in so many situations, and this is definitely one. Everyone is different in how quarantine was for them. For some, it was very difficult. It sounds like for you, it was quite easy. And yes. they're, they're also different in how ready they are to reconnect. Some people's anxiety is really high, and some people feel like, great, we beat it. <laughs> um, talking to the people who are wanting to reconnect, having those conversations is essential. Maybe come up with a plan to use an event like having a meal together outside where you guys can be in each other's proximity, but maintaining some social distance could be a good compromise. Okay. Or 
instead of having a big gathering with all 15 of your family members, have a couple different small gatherings with five in this group, seven in that group um, to help make people feel more comfortable and ease into it. I have a nearly two-year-old son at home and it is very challenging for him to understand social distancing, not um, running up to giving strangers high fives, let alone if he sees his grandparents <laughs> or one of his friends from school. Uh, I mean, you're going to have a crying fit when you drag them away from those situations. <laughs> so we have to be a little bit more cautious how we reintroduce the kids into this because they might not understand how being around somebody doesn't mean we get to be, you know, as close or um, not using masks, things like that. The most important thing is to have that conversation and tell the people, this isn't about me not wanting to reconnect and have things how they used to be. It's about how can we keep everybody safe and also make sure that we're making everybody feel comfortable with the situation. So take some baby steps and ease your way through this transition rather than just jumping full bore back how you behaved in February. <laughs> oh, so those, so things are really changing. They're not going to go back to how they were. Correct. Okay. <laughs> they are changing and they might get back there. I, I don't want to take that away. I, I hope that, you know, we're all hugging in the future all the time, but <laughs> uh, it might be a while before we get to that, that level. Hey, we can always wrap ourselves in uh, cellophane. You know, they say don't wear plastic <laughs> bags over your head, and I'm not condoning that at all. But, hey, it can protect us, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Probably not the safest way to go about that. Yeah. Uh, so please don't try that at home. Yes. <laughs> so you brought up you brought up um, your dealing with children and how, how to speak to your children about uh, social distancing, because yeah, they, they may not fully understand depending on, uh, how old they are. They may not fully understand why I can't touch people or why when Nana comes over, we can't mm -hmm. just run up and give, give hugs. So what advice do you have for parents in kind of helping children through, through something like that as a parent yourself? It, it's tricky. Um, recognizing the age and the maturity level they're at is the first thing you got to do. If you're dealing with a toddler like I am, the most basic thing is, is I'm not going to be able to explain some of these things to him. I just have to put him in situations where it's going to be easier to control, whether that means limiting his interaction or we've done the whole thing where you might do a drive by where you stay in the car, roll down the windows right. and talk to somebody, uh, if we're going to have people over and we're going to eat, I put him in his high chair. So he's contained, you know, uh, it's just easier that way. But as you talk about kids being a little older, maybe getting closer to school age and stuff, they can understand a lot of this. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to explain the COVID-19 <laughs> germ, but we can talk to them about, you know, why we don't want to get sick and the things that we do to prevent getting sick. They, they can handle that kind of information. And we don't have to say, you know, uh, this has a 2.4% mortality rate. <laughs> you just say that people are getting very sick and we're trying to keep people healthy. So uh, breaking it down, recognizing it and being willing to answer questions. So uh, give them some basic information and then ask them, you know, say, if you, if you got a question, let me know and try to answer their questions. Well, that's some really good advice for 
for parents that may not know how to approach some of these things with their children, yeah, you're right. You really don't have to explain the full details and go into the virology of of the coronavirus <laughs> and explain that to a two or three year old unless they're really that inquisitive, in which case <laughs> we should put them on the front lines of finding That's the right. cure for it. So. <laughs> Um, so let's shift gears real quick and talk about getting back to work. Kevin Stitt, as we said before, issued his Safer at Home on March 24th. We're now working that three-phase reopening of the state. So what are some ways I can mentally prepare to get back into the office after, I, after I've been teleworking the last month? It could be helpful to recognize that even though many of us are returning to the workplace, there have been and there are continuing to be more safeguards put in place. Most jobs are going to be using a similar phasing system in bringing people back into the office. So whether building up the numbers slowly or making changes to the physical environment or using personal protective equipment, these are all ways that transition is being facilitated. The, the goal is that we can keep people working, keep business going, keep these uh, services available to people without, with putting as few people at risk as possible. To psych yourself up personally, I think we all kind of recognize that this was probably at least a somewhat temporary situation. We weren't going to be working from home forever. We were going to eventually have to go back to the office. Maybe we hoped it'd be another month or whatever, but it was going to happen. So re-embracing the healthy coping skills you formerly used before a day's work and to face those challenges head on. I tell you what, it didn't just take, you know, I've had plenty of days over my career where I didn't want to go into work that day and I had to figure out a way how to motivate myself. So use that. You have some of those skills already. Apply them to this new situation. In addition, if you have any specific concerns about safety risks, and family limitations right now in returning to work, speak to your supervisors and or the human resources department to see, to, to allow them to hear you out and for you to know what they are doing or what can be done. Maybe they haven't considered a, a concern that you have and there is some way to make that a better situation for everybody. That's what we're trying to do and we all need to have our input and be heard Sometimes being heard just does a lot. Uh, having somebody to bounce that stuff off of and say, hey, it's going to be all right, that can, that can do a lot. You know, getting back and being around your coworkers can be a really good thing because they're people that we spend a lot of time with, sometimes more than our actual families. So we build a special bond with the people we work with. Absolutely. Some of those people may be a different type of bond that you have. Uh, and getting back to the office, if there are people that are not really abiding by those safety precautions that you think are there, how do you recommend approaching somebody? Do you, do you go and hose them down with Lysol and say, hey, you need to be cleaner? Do you approach them and have a conversation first? And if so, how do you start that conversation? How do you start that dialogue with someone else? Coming from a place of relationship is always uh, a good idea when you're dealing with conflict. So if you have a good relationship with that person, or at least a working relationship with that person, I find the best thing to do is to be 
direct to come to them one-on-one, not public in any way, say, hey, do you have a few minutes? I just want to talk to you about something and say, and come and speak from your perspective. In other words, rather than saying you're dirty, (laughs) you need to change things. See, say, I have been really nervous about this COVID-19 thing and it just causes me so much anxiety and it's just been really important to me to follow the guidelines. And when I see people who don't follow the guidelines, they probably come from a different perspective, but it's, it bothers me. And I noticed you're not washing your hands after you handle meat or whatever you're doing <laughs> and tell them and say, is there any chance you could do that more? I know, I know it might not be important to you, but it's important to me. That's giving it the best chance it will go well sometimes and it might not go well sometimes. If you have a bad, problematic, tenuous relationship with that person, you're probably not going to be the right person to address it with. Uh, If there's somebody else who can be a third party and intervene, you know, um, or take it to a supervisor. If not, if you just know that this isn't going to go well or they spit in your face when you do ask them that, take it to a supervisor, let them handle it. We're not going to be able to control our coworkers. All we can do is ask them politely and nicely. You had mentioned, you know, you can go up and you can try and and have a conversation with one of your coworkers. Even if you do have a good or even just kind of a an okay relationship with that person, people are so divisive in how they think that, you know, it, it can come across as you trying to attack that person. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about, the difference between having a discussion with somebody and having a dialogue. Cause somebody explained to me one time that, you know, discussion, I have certain points that I am trying to make. You have certain points that you want to try and make. So we have a discussion about those points, but a dialogue mm-hmm. is more overarching. It's, it's all encompassing. It's more inviting rather than mm-hmm. me saying, this is how it's going to be. You're, you put words out there with intention of also being able to receive words. So talk to me how that may be beneficial in something like this. I think that definitely has benefit, especially in, in situations, anytime that you see the potential for conflict. And really, if you're asking anybody to change their behavior for any reason, there's the potential for conflict there. I don't think you have to convince someone else of anything to have a productive conversation. If the goal is that you need them to say, you're right, I'm wrong, and now I'm going to change my behavior, you are not going to get that very often. Those are few and far between. If if your approach is, I want to share some information with you that you may not be aware of, and then if the two of us can find a way to have a productive work relationship going forward based on that information, more of a team approach rather than me versus you, you're going to have a lot more success. And still, as I said, you can do everything right. And sometimes it's not going to work. However, if you do everything right, you at least give it a chance. So give it a chance, avoid you statements, stick to I statements, and then offer solutions. Anytime you bring a problem to someone, you should be open to saying, hey, let's brainstorm this. Maybe there's some way that 
that I haven't thought of, or I'm willing to help here or make an adjustment to my schedule to work, make this work better for you also. So that old C word compromise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Some things that people really struggle with. And, and like you said, even when you put all your best intention forward and you've exhausted all options, sometimes it still doesn't work out and that's okay too. Yeah. We can just move on and, and keep living life because we have no other option. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you could look for a new job, but <laughs> yeah. there will be other coworkers there too, I'm guessing. <laughs> hmm. Unless you work at home or you drive an ice cream truck. That's just completely yeah. different. <laughs> there's there's not many of those jobs. And you'll still have people in your life, just not, not at work, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> true. So many of the frontline and essential workers that do not have the opportunity to work from home in many cases uh, have been overworked because of the high demand of the essential service that they provide. If I'm on the front lines like a medical provider at any level or an essential worker like a grocery store clerk who sacrifices so we can have access to food or the water treatment plant worker who sacrifices so we can have clean drinking water, what advice do you have for me to find some kind of peace about this situation and how and where can I find endurance to, to keep going when everybody else seems to have gotten the last month off. Yeah. Well, if, if you are one of those brave and self-sacrificing individuals, let me first say thank you from myself and anyone else you have facilitated and taken care of. Hopefully you experience a sense of pride from doing a job that helped us all keep more individuals safe. As for the endurance part, that is a bit personal to everyone. It is essential to identify the source of your strength and drive and foster it. It could be a person in your life, a faith system, a passion, or even an element to your character. Self-care is paramount. With whatever time off you have, use it to recharge. Ultimately, if you need, don't be afraid to ask for help. Many of us who have been able to stay home are ready and willing to support you now, but we have to be told what is needed in order to provide it. You know, all the thank yous are wonderful and great, but if you say, I need this, and until you tell us that, we can't do it for you. So let us know and if the first person you ask isn't able to provide it, keep asking because we're going to do, I know myself and many others are going to try to do what we can to help you deal with the situation that you're in. I couldn't agree more. It's, it, you know, when, when you wear the uniform out in public, you know, if it's a drill weekend, you go out for lunch or whatever, you hear people say, you know, thank you for your service. But I feel like this is an opportunity for us in this uniform to thank everybody else for their service. Because yeah. every time I go to the grocery store, I, I make it a point, the person that's checking me out, the person that's restocking, thank you for doing this so that we can have food. That is so essential, very, very basic level need that we all, all have to have. So um, being able to help them out more than just giving a thank you, but truly listening to their needs, I think that's a great, great way to approach yeah. that. Well, and I think we all probably have a newfound respect for things we never really thought about before. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the grocery store people. Uh, how about 
delivery people, all the people who bring you stuff to your house, you've been like, wow, wow, they're out there doing this. Like they're doing more than they were before this. Right. Or uh, teachers, good Lord. Uh, people who take care of your kids, you're like, wow, this is a tough job, you know? So uh, hopefully, like I said, that, that's one of those things that I'm hoping we take away from this is our appreciation for the things that make our lives possible that we forget about sometimes. You're 100% correct. It's the things that we take advantage of, or just don't even give a second thought. They just happen for us. But somebody mm -hmm. has to make those happen, and yep. it's good to, to show appreciation for that. What are some ways I can continue to maintain my mental stability and sanity and persevere through this new life as a teleworking child and doggy daycare teacher, cook, and home maintenance extraordinaire? You're doing it all. <laughs> I honestly think that uncertainty has been one of the toughest parts of this whole experience for most of us. You already talked about the way that we hear one piece of information and then from a different source we hear a contradiction and then about a week or two later the original positions have switched and who's saying what has changed right all of that is very frustrating and very difficult to deal with just like the essential workers we already discussed you are essential because you're doing things that the fact that you're staying at home was essential to prevent the spread. So you're doing something that's also very important. And in addition, you've had to work from home, which is filled with all kinds of technological restrictions and challenges to how we get things done. And you probably have additional responsibilities at home. I'm guessing the guy who comes and mows your yard might not have been here this last month or, uh, you know, your mm -hmm. kids are, you're teaching them at home. You, there's no way you can take your dogs to doggy daycare. <laughs> so you're right. having to do a lot more. So you have to do that same kind of self-care that we talked about for those essential workers. It's what keeps us resilient. It's what keeps us going motivated. We're getting through it. We've done the hardest part already. Hopefully it's continuing to get easier, but we just got to keep it up. We talked about this a little bit before in the first part of the podcast, but when do you think life will get back to normal and what do you think that'll look like in your opinion? If you've ever heard me or any other mental health professional speak about deployment before, you probably already know what I'm going to say. Anytime there is a major event that occurs in our life, we are changed in some ways by the lessons we learn. So after a marriage, having a child, changing careers, or experiencing a loss, you don't go back to normal, you, but you do find a new normal. That isn't something to fear, it's a sign of growth. What it looks like is being less anxious and feeling comfortable with how your day-to-day -day routine looks now. For some of us, we've already found a new normal during the course of quarantine. Now we're faced with finding a new normal in going back to work or having phase one new normal, right? <laughs> Guess what? It's going to be that way for a bit. And then you're going you're gonna to find that new normal and you're going to feel comfortable and inevitably in our lives, it might be a week, it might be six months, it might be 10 years down the road, 
something is going to happen to you that's going to be impactful and you'll get to find a new normal once again. So change, evolution, transition, it's over and perpetual. You don't want to go back to how you were. <laughs> Otherwise, there was no point in going through it. We learn, we're changed, you know, keep growing, keep developing. Well, that takes me to my next question. I asked you this last time. Uh, it's been about a month. So what <laughs> positives do you see coming out of all of this? Hopefully with all my new perspective, right? I'll have some, some new right. information. Um, kind of related to what I said before, but in addition, uh, we all as human beings are inherently social creatures and need to foster healthy relationships. The lockdown gave us some time to re-examine the people in our lives. When you think about this last month, who were you missing? Who kept your spirits up? And in turn, were there people you realized might need their influence in your life to stay limited? So engaging in more healthy relationship maintenance would be the biggest change that I see going forward. And of course, everyone washing their hands regularly forever. <laughs> I like it. Physically healthy with washing your hands and mentally healthy with having good relationships in our lives rather than just Absolutely. a relationship. Make them right. meaningful, make them count. What recommendations do you have for maintaining a healthy body and what aspects of our lives should we focus on to complement that with our mental health. Sure. Um, for the healthy body, it's the basics. Eat healthy, stay hydrated, stay active, and get solid rest. You do those four things, that's the thing that keeps your immune system ready to deal with viruses, sickness, illness, all those kinds of things. And it also is what keeps your psychological health as well. It ends up helping how we process information and deal with stress. In addition, something that can complement your mental health is finding a healthy distraction from the stress of this current situation. Find a new hobby or get back into an old one. It can be a source of excitement It, or in turn, relaxation and hopefully some fun. For me, it provides a way to be creative and solve low risk, high reward problems. I'm able to detach from the difficult parts of work and family responsibility for a bit and come back and face them with a better attitude the next day. I like that, well said. What are some resources that guardsmen and their family can go to for additional help with their health and wellness. When it comes to information about the virus, I recommend the CDC website and they have an excellent application that you can download on your phone. Um, I did several weeks ago and at least once a week, maybe more, I get an alert, just an automatic thing that if they send out new guidance, I get it right away. Okay. So that's always helpful. Being informed always makes me feel better. I also recommend that everyone either stay connected or establish a relationship with a primary care physician. Uh, it's very important for us to keep up with our physical health and have annual checkups anyway. 
And right now, if you've got questions and you need to see a provider, sure is handy to have an established relationship. Mm -hmm. If you have a specific question about anything that I talked about today, if you want to send me an email, I'll make sure that uh, that's available, you know, in the show notes. And I'm happy to clarify my answer or qualify it or point you in the direction of a more expertise opinion than mine. If someone is having a problem specifically with their psychological health, I suggest going to the Oklahoma National Guard public website or the application and fill out the form on there called a critical behavioral health incident report. Anybody can do it. It doesn't have to be a military person. A civilian can fill it out. Somebody who has no, affi no affiliation with the military can fill it out. It comes to our very small team. It's confidential. And once we get that, we will reach out to whoever it involves and attempt to help them with whatever problem they're facing. So often with psychological health, it's hard to give you a, a one answer that works for any situation. So if there's a specific issue going on, let us know what it is, and then I can give you a specific answer. So, Okay. John, is there anything else you would like to add or share to Oklahomans as we venture back into public communal life? The very best advice I can give is to be kind to people. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I think we all have a new appreciation for how interconnected we are. It really provided perspective and appreciation for how we depend on each other and the ripple effect our actions impact one another. Maybe don't go around hugging strangers, <laughs> but a wave or a friendly hello might go a long way right now. I know I've already noticed people being much more social just in my neighborhood, and hopefully we can take that local uh, attitude and spread it on a bigger level across our cities and states, country, the whole world. I like it. We should be able to do that and we, we should take that and spread it, spread that joy of, and that message of kindness to everybody else. That's right. John, thanks again for joining us on another episode of the OK Guard Show, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to like the Oklahoma National Guard on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and see more of our photos from our guardsmen working on the front lines of code response on our Flickr page. Also make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma National Guard YouTube page and stay up to date with the latest The OK Guard Show releases on Podbean or any platform you use to get your podcasts. Also, if you have a suggestion for the pun of the episode, please send us a message on social media and we'll see about getting it on the next episode. Until then, have a great, safe, and healthy rest of your day. The OK Guard Show is produced by the Oklahoma National Guard Public Affairs Office. Any mention of products or brands does not imply endorsement. All guests on the show are volunteers in an effort to inform and educate members of the Oklahoma National Guard, their families, retirees, potential recruits, and the